0: vicinity there's a high wind warning for this evening. Southwesterly winds gusting up to 50 miles an hour likely along with a few showers, possibly a thunderstorm, then partly cloudy later tonight with the lows in the upper 30s, tomorrow and tomorrow night fair with a high in the mid-40s and the low in the upper 20s. Cloudy with a chance of rain on Friday, the highs in the low 40s. Our current temperature is 55 degrees, humidity 62%. The winds are northwest at 15 miles an hour. They are gusting to 40 miles an hour. And the barometer reached 29.47 inches, and it is rising. These top stories in the news, shooting incident at St. Vincent's Hospital, seriously wounds another New York City police officer, and fatally wounds a visitor to the hospital. The Commerce Department's economic barometers show a very bad scene. The nation's jobless unemployment rate brought 850,000 more claims for unemployment benefits last week. This is Lester Smith reporting next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio New York, 710 on your dial, the talk of New York.
1: The I mean, they, they don't say that out here in the East, do they? No, that's not, that's not an Eastern expression. In fact, the East will not accept the fact. Uh, uh, it's only out there in what they call the Bible Belt that they have a, a concern for things called wickedness and evil. Out here in the East, uh, the only evil is that perpetrated by other guys. Uh, other people, you know, politicians, uh, <laughs> and never the never the individual. And and I, I was surprised, you know. Uh, well, just the other day, I'm in the elevator, and uh, there's this guy in the elevator, and he's he's wearing uh, overalls, and he's carrying all kinds of tools and stuff, you know, looking real, real, a uh, workman like. He was really he was going to go up and patch up the roof or something. You know, <laughs> he's got a big thing full of tools, and he he's a uh, He's looking real tired, see. And I, I, I looked at him, and I just thought, it'd make conversation. I said, yeah. 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 It's hard to open up a conversation in an elevator like that, especially when there's such a vast gulf between human beings today. I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. He looked down of the corner of his eye at me, and uh, he was blatantly smoking a four-cent cigar right there in the elevator. Now, as we all know, uh, that's illegal here in New York today, isn't it? <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine trying to make a citizen's arrest? Sir, I arrest you for smoking a four-cent cigar right here in the elevator. I am a citizen, and I make a citizen's arrest. Well, I guess there are guys with a kind of ego that could enable them to do that. But not me. I'm not one of them. It's not that I'm chicken. No way. My belief is uh, I share it with, uh, with Gerta, there's no sense in trying to stomp out evil. I mean, it's like trying to stomp out the sand in the world, trying to do away with the clouds. It's there, you know. All you have to do is keep swatting at it once in a while to keep it away from you. That's about all. But stomping out evil, forget it. That's insane. Ridiculous. So uh, I'm standing in the elevator. I see with this guy... And uh, we're going up. It's building, you know, it's about 25 stories high. So it's a quite a long ride, especially since we have this hand-operated elevator that uh, there are gnomes down in the basement that work it by running on a treadmill, you know, and it's going up there creek. And then it only stops at every alternate floor. That is, when it isn't stopping at the alternate floors, you don't know where it's going to stop. And it's kind of fun to watch those lights. Are you a light reader in the elevator? You stand there and watch the lights go? Uh, I'm just expecting one day, you know, to be in an elevator, and, and, and the, you're watching the lights, it says uh, 15, 16, 17. Now, suddenly it stops. The doors don't open. So what do we do in the Anybody want to go to the floor here? No. And then it starts again. Eighteen, nineteen, and then it hovers between nineteen and twenty, and then it starts going down. Eighteen, seventeen. <laughs> well, that actually happened with, to me one day, and uh, it's it's amazing to see the 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 confusion that that, that hits people because. Elevators are not considered machines by most people. They're considered part of the natural order of things, like trees, uh, you know, like the walls, like the electricity. They plug in the light and the lights, that's all. uh, They don't know what goes into the stuff, you know, what brings all that electricity into those two little holes in the wall there. And uh, so, (laughs) you know, who cares? Turn on the radio and on comes Cousin Brucey. That's what the radio does, you know. What's going on in that radio? That never, never occurs to the average person. Try to explain a diode rectifier even to the average guy, and he thinks you're talking Laotian. Well, uh, and to him, you might as well be. He may understand Laotian, but he does, certainly doesn't understand uh, Kirchhoff's law. I can concede that. So uh, you, you, you just, uh, the natural order of things. See, and elevators are things like, uh, well, like rocks, like the Grand Canyon. So I'm in the elevator with this guy, stainless steel, chrome steel all around. And I said to him, well, yep, he's sweating. See, he's been working, smoking his four cent cigar, puffing away there. I don't think that this country needs a good five cent cigar. It needs a good three for a nickel cigar. That's the kind most of those guys smoke. And it's the three for a nickel cigar, man, that turns uh, your eyeballs green when you're standing in an elevator with them. Have you ever felt, too, that some of these cigars come already uh, pre-digested by a goat uh, or uh, <laughs> they're fermented? <laughs> I mean, our guy's chewing on He's been chewing on it since 7 o'clock this morning, you know, and now it's late uh, uh, late in the afternoon. It's about 3 o'clock and the, and the cigar is totally chewed both ends, both ends, and now he's chewing the other end and he's starting up from the beginning in the middle and he's chewing on, even on the ring and all that stuff. He's chewing the So I... I, I'm making conversation. I like to contact the lower orders occasionally, don't you, El? Of course. And so I may. Of course you do, El. Why, you're you're a you're you're an anti-aristocrat man. I know that. I can tell by the way you wear those long sideburns and those seventy-four-dollar blue jeans that you've got. That you're just one of the people. I can tell that. So sure, of course. El's <laughs> El's El's one of our poor engineers here. He, he only, he only drives a 69 XKE. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, of course most of the others are going up to the Mercedes 450s and all, so, you know, so, he, uh, we're, we're, I'm standing in the elevator with this guy, and I got another classic, uh, lesson at this moment in life. I, I said to him, oh, well, he looked at me and said, yep, yeah,
2: yep, yeah, that's the way it is.
1: And I said to him, ah, sure ain't no rest for the wicked, right? up and look at me. What do you mean? I says, ain't no rest for the wicked. No, no, the way that goes is there ain't no rest for the weary. No, I'm sorry, fella. That doesn't make sense. No rest for the weary. That's ridiculous. What do you mean, rest for the weary? Of course there's rest for the weary. The actual expression, my dear man, is there is no rest for the wicked. Oh, no, what are you talking about? It's there ain't no rest for the weary. I said, well... <laughs> where are you from, fella? So, what's that going to do with it? I said, I'm just curious, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Bayside, Queens. Uh huh, and a Fate Easterner. Have <laughs> you ever thought Bayside, Queens is the hotbed of a Fate Easterner? Well, Archie Bunker's in the Fate Easterner. Of course he is. And I says, fella, as we stopped at the 23rd floor, I says, you know, on the 23rd floor, we understand these things. It is, there is no rest for the wicked. Because this, my friend, is where the wicked abide. This is where they are. And so tonight, as part of our best public service programming, we are about to salute the concept, just the concept, not the actuality, the concept of wickedness. Not the same as sin, so get out your Oxford on a bridge and look up the two words. Look up sin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look up wickedness. You'll find there's a distinct difference. <laughs> and then while you're at it, you know, while you're skipping around in the W's there and going past the S's, uh, why don't you uh, just take a quick peek at evil. I mean, to refresh your vast mind about these concepts that we all have to deal with daily in our lives. See, the most difficult evil of all to deal with is not the evil that other men perpetrate and create. It's the evil that lies within (laughs) Oh, God, I knew you'd get your head stuck in that merry blender one day. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) Mashed up there with the carrots. Right,
3: huh?
1: (laughs) Hold it, hold it, hold it. Now, reset that. Reset that. uh, Speaking of evil, have you noticed that there's been an endless number of television shows suddenly spouting out all over the place that feature uh, mysteries about decadent tennis players. Notice that there's been at least thirteen of them in the last two weeks. <laughs> all uh, ill-conceived and poorly, poorly uh, realized. Uh, uh, I suppose you might say uh, uh, examples of Billie Jean King and Chris Evert. They're all playing out there in the courts. There was even a, a second-rate Ken Rosewall the other night in one. He kept saying, "Oh, I say that, Governor." Obviously, he was from Australia, right? And uh, evil too, naturally. So, uh, well, I mean, I just have to report these things as they come. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe about two or three years ago, there was a spate of mysteries featuring decadent and evil C and W singers. Oh yes, oh Johnny Cash played a couple of those guys. Evil C and W singers that that crept back in the night and murdered their manager, that kind of thing. If you know their managers, you could understand it. It wasn't evil at all. They were stomping out evil, actually. Uh, but uh, you can't get that across to these uh, fate writers. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, and then a few years before that, uh, you, see, you have to keep these things uh, in—you in, uh, have to really keep them in perspective and in chronological order. Uh, we are—we are about to see. I, I'm going to make a prediction now. We're going to see a spate of uh, decadent uh, mysteries about decadent evil newspaper reporters. Watch it. Wait, wait. There's already one. How many of you have seen the one where the newspaper reporter seems to run around Chicago only tracking down uh, ghouls and vampires? Have you seen that show? That is a truly in show if you are if you are, if you're uh, still uh, uh, I hate to use the expression, but if you're still tuned in to what could be called in a previous era the camp world this is a true camp show. Yeah, there's a guy that, uh, he walks around with a hat on the back of his head. That's classic uh, reporter style, right? I've known many reporters, never known one that wore his hat like that. But that's a movie concept. By the way, I, I was talking to my doctor the other day. I had this friend of the doctor, you know, you go once in a while, I give you an exam for physicals, for uh, insurance and stuff like that. And I said, uh, doctor? He said, yes. I said, uh, Doctor, you know, there's, we have two different levels of conversation. There's one one level when I'm calling him by his first name, and that's uh, unofficial. Uh, then there's the time when I say doctor. That means it's an official discussion, and, of course, I get charged for it. So uh, I said, the doctor? Yes? I said, uh, I, I hate to bring this up, doc. Uh, doctor. <laughs> doc, that's the guy that sells that stuff down at the drugstore under the counter. I'm sorry. Uh, doctor? Doctor? Um, I see these uh, ads all the time on uh, television uh, where three out of five doctors have uh, have advocated this new, uh, this new skin brightener. Uh, uh, are you one of the soreheads that didn't approve of it? I said, well, <laughs> well frankly, I've often wondered myself about that uh, patient. And I said, well, what do you mean wondered? He said, well, I've never been asked any of those things. I don't know who those doctors are. They must have a special medical school. Where they turn out doctors that are qualified only to approve or disapprove of various products that are advertised on television. He says none of my colleagues have ever actually been asked either. I said, well, that would make an interesting paper to deliver at the next AMA meeting, wouldn't it? Uh, to to you know how to prepare yourself when uh, when the General Foods comes and asks you about the new cereal, uh, how you do this, you know how you work this out. And he says, oh, that's very interesting. Then I hit him with the real thing. I says, doctor. Uh, I don't like to bring this up at this time. I mean, after we've had a successful physical exam, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I hate to bring up uh, negative subjects after a successful exam, because I'm afraid then you might say, all
0: right, all right, I'll tell you what's really wrong with you. You bum, okay. You're going to act like that? All right. I'll give you the real results.
1: And then, you know, have you ever had the feeling, <laughs> ever had the feeling that he's, he's concealing something from you? And, uh, we all have that feeling. You know, it's it's uh, a, it's a. It's a. I've. I've had my bank. I have this. This uh, sus, really suspicion for years, at least a year, or maybe six months. It's hard to tell now at this point. Time goes so fast. Maybe a week, two weeks, years, hundred years, century. I don't know. Uh, that uh, I had a feeling that my bank, which is a very official bank, I'm not going to give you their name because they're so official. And, oh yes, they really are official. Are ads all over the place, you know, and they've got bars and they've got these little cameras and all that work and. But I've had a very funny feeling going in there the last three or four months that the entire personnel of the bank have been mysteriously kidnapped and they've been replaced by imposters. This could be the biggest heist in history. Yeah, can you imagine what a fantastic... uh, scheme that would be to take over say the big bank in rockefeller center and you one night you kidnap everybody that's there everybody president vice president the whole works and the gang all cleverly disguised as tellers as uh, presidents vice presidents all sit at the desk that morning open up the business the people come in and start giving them money that would be a hell of a racket about three months later see and you keep you keep the entire crew of the bank see uh, hidden in a cave in France somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> a $74 billion heist. And uh, of course, all the while, you see you as uh, the head of the gang, cleverly disguised as the vice president in charge of uh, important uh, bank transactions and future investments, are cleverly investing all the money of the bank. The bank, you know, have you seen in the in the uh, doorway of your bank? It says assets of over $17 billion. Have you seen that? Wouldn't it be fantastic to be able to get at that? And uh, they are cleverly investing all the money in uh, this uh, little-known company that operates curiously in Uganda. And, uh, of course, uh, <laughs> there you are. You know, it's you. Say, <laughs> that, Oh, God, yeah, this would make Robert Vesco... Heaven's sakes, look like a penny Andy pickpocket. This is WOR New York speaking. <laughs> oh, that was an unfortunate station break at that time, wasn't it? This is WOR New York. Hit the money button, Alvin.
2: When a store that's already famous for its bedding and convertible sofas reduces prices throughout the whole store, that's something special. And Klein Sleep is doing just that during its first store-wide sleep week sale ever. You'll find hundreds of convertible sofas and bedding from manufacturers such as Simmons and Sealy, specially reduced in price during Klein Sleep's store-wide sleep week sale unbelievable not really you see at client sleep we sell only sleep we have to do more and we have during this store-wide sale you'll enjoy unprecedented savings on mattresses box springs high risers studio sofas bunk beds and convertible sofas you'll get immediate free delivery get the client sleep store-wide sleep week sale this week it won't be on next week Klein Sleep is in Manhattan at 58th Street and Lexington Avenue. Also in the Bronx, Yorkers, White Plains, Norwalk, Connecticut, and Ramsey, New Jersey. See our ad in this past Sunday's News or Times for outstanding store-wide savings at Klein Sleep. Oh, yeah. You like that
1: plot, don't you? Can't you see Robert Redford wearing his banker suit? And uh, Jack Palance as uh, as the head of the tellers, you know, wearing his gray flannel suit. I mean... (laughs) Have you seen those commercials where Jack Polance comes on and tells you about how his mother made this uh, instant soup? I mean, no wonder he's so mean. I mean, you grow up eating instant soup, and you're going to be mean, ultimately. I mean, you know the kind where you pour the hot water in? I mean, that's a little discouraging. You see your mother doing this great cooking. Uh, you know, and her cooking consists of boiling some water and pouring it into an envelope. And uh, she says, "Yes, it's delicious and fresh." <laughs> and there's another, there's another commercial I think it's kind of funny too. That it shows this family and they're having a long, involved discussion over how uh, this guy has this great wife who, in 20 years of marriage, has never spoiled the rice. She makes this uh, five-minute instant rice, you know. She never spoiled the rice. She spoiled everything else, but she never spoiled the rice. And uh, I've often wondered, do people have those conversations in their real life? See, I don't live in real life, personally. I'm, I must admit, I'm here in studio land. I hobnob with Jane Fonda and Lassie and all the big people in showbiz. So I don't have a real life like you have. Audience land is real life. And I've often wondered if people sit around and talk about Lipton Soup at home. I just wonder, like they do on television all the time. Do they uh, they seem to do a great deal of talking, too, about... Uh, about paper towels. That seems to be a great uh, area of discussion. And I have never been privy to any of these discussions. And there's there's little old ladies that keep going around and weighing your paper towels. Bluebell, Aunt Bluebell is here. Oh. Be careful of Aunt Bluebell. That's a that's a funny lady. She's got she's got a hang up. If there's anybody I've ever seen with a fixation, it's old Aunt Bluebell. All she thinks about is paper towels. Uh I've never thought about them. Have you, ever? Well, I guess we're not relevant, uh, really. Uh, to be relevant, you have to think of these things. Uh, uh, there's also There seems to be a great uh, amount of discussion as to what type of uh, of uh, of uh, spaghetti sauce is truly Italian. seems to be a lot of implication that some Italians are not making the spaghetti sauce that you're eating, but the real Italians are making the one that you should buy, which are the ones that put this commercial on. Uh, I've noticed that. I'm uh, very worried about that. I hate that you know, be sitting there eating sweetie spaghetti. I just, you know, it bothers me. It does. Uh, so many things bother me. And by the way, speaking of things that uh, <laughs> are uh, bothersome, I have a very important announcement to make tonight now. And I want you to listen for the first time, for a long time. Listen, really listen, you know. That's one of the things that, when you have a multiplicity of media of, uh, medias we have in our time, radio, TV, graffiti on the side of the subways, all that stuff, that's all media, you know. Various types of... Uh, Communicative uh, mediums, media. Uh, the problem with the multiplicity of this is that ultimately you don't listen to anything. You know, it's, uh, this is one of the great fallacies, really. In the, in the, let's let's put out more uh, communicative mediums, because ultimately nobody. If if they if they publish five and a half billion books a year, you wouldn't read any. You go to the beach, you know, and sit there, and, you know, watch seagulls, try to pretend they're Jonathan Livingston. And not quite making it, you know. <laughs> they, don't, they don't look as noble as, as you tend to think. Now, uh, you look really carefully a Seagull. He's got a sneaky fish eye, that bird. Not a good bird. But uh, that's, again, personal. Uh, so uh, I, tonight, want you to listen carefully. Tomorrow night, I am opening. That is Thursday night. Tomorrow night, right? Tomorrow night, I am opening at the American Place Theater. And uh, that's at 46th Street. And uh, 6th Avenue, right here in Midtown, New York, there's plenty of parking places all around in their parking garages. And it's uh, it's it's going to be an evening, uh, which I'm looking forward to immensely. I'm going to be there through February 3rd. That's Thursday, January 30th, through Monday, February 3rd. That means this whole weekend. And I'll be there, let's see, that's five performances, isn't it? Right. And they all begin at 8 o'clock at night, and the title of the show is Gene Shepard Plays Gene Shepard. <laughs> which is a clever title, really, and very true. Uh, have you ever had the feeling that you yourself are playing Charles, D- Charles W. Bullard in spite of the fact that's your name? <laughs> you know? What would Bullard do in this point? Uh, but uh, the title of the show is Gene Shepherd Plays Gene Shepard. Now, the point of this is this. Uh, they've had a, a, a humorous a series of humorous uh, evenings there, uh, dealing with people like Benchley and S.J. Perman. They're talking about humorous of the printed page. And uh, I am going to perform works out of three of my books. Uh, I'm going to perform works out of In God We Trust and out of uh, the, t- the whole title is In God We Trust, All of Us Pay Cash. Also, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters and The Ferrari in the Bedroom and uh, we'll have a little uh, palaver get-together, and it's going to be at the American Place Theater tomorrow. It's the first time I've ever actually performed my written work in uh, public. Uh, So if any of you have seen me at a college or at Carnegie Hall, this is totally different from any of those performances. And uh, I think you may enjoy it. I know I'm going to enjoy it, you know, just doing it. It's a beautiful little theater. It's like a cabaret. It's called The Subplot. And now it's going to be tomorrow night uh, through... Monday, February third, all performances begin at eight PM and the doors open at seven thirty. And uh, you can give them a call. You you should call them please, if you're going to come tomorrow night, please give them a call. Uh because uh they, they want reservations, although there may be a few seats at the door. Maybe. Now the number is to call in New York City, Area two one two, that's a New York number. Area two one two and the number is two four seven O three nine three. I repeat that again. It's area two one two, and the number is two four seven zero three nine three. Don't call them now. The place is not open, but they will be open tomorrow morning at nine for calls. So give them a call, right? Oh, incidentally, one other little thing: light snacks, soft drinks, beer, and wine are available there at moderate prices. It's a cafe. You know, you sit and eat cheese, drink wine, and uh, listen to Shepherd do his thing, right? Well, now, all right, now let's get back to reality, please. We have some reality. Open
3: up your eyes, hey, look around you. There's a lot of world you've never seen.
1: This year, there's a new feeling among the people of Pan Am the spirit of 75 you might say. It comes out of realizing how much the individual employee of Pan Am can accomplish. You'll see what this means the next time you fly Pan Am to any one of the 109 cities in 72 countries we serve all around the world. See, uh, Pan Am can take you to the beautiful Virgin Islands every day. Always like that name. Flight 261 leaves every morning from Pan Am's Worldport at 9 a.m. and arrives at St. Thomas' St. Croix with plenty of time for an afternoon swim. Call your travel agent for reservations. You ever been to the Virgin Islands? Ah, beautiful. I'll tell you one thing they have out there that, uh, that I'd like to recommend to you. Uh, now, wait a minute now. Is this the Virgin Islands, or is it... No, I'm sorry, this is Nassau. I won't tell you about it, then. <laughs> I want to tell you about the rival island. <laughs> oh, what a rotten fink I am. Hats off and up in the air. Huzzah! Uh, Edward Elby. this is a quote from uh, the inimitable Clive Barnes. Hats off and up in the air. Huzzah! Edward L B Seascape is a major dramatic event. It is provocative and funny, and the humor is all the funnier for having a point to it. Well, isn't that a point of all good humor, buddy? That's what Clive Barnes of the New York Times says about Seascape and NBC TV. A deep-thinking organization says all four actors are superb. Deborah Kerr, or Carr, as we prefer, here in the British Isles, is beautiful, natural, and very moving. She's a very natural person. Got those feet and ears and all that, just like a real person. See? Seascape. Now, at the Sugar Theater on Colorful West 44th Street. My heart burns back. This pressure must be gas again.
4: Digel has told you that acid indigestion and heartburn are often accompanied by gas. Digel calls it gased indigestion. Now a report from the U.S. government confirms that the only ingredients recognized effective against both acid indigestion and gas are an antacid combined with simethicone. And that's exactly what digel is. You see, antacids alone only take care of the acid, but Digel is different. It does more. It not only reduces the excess acid, but has the unique anti-gas ingredient, simethicone that gets rid of the trapped gas, too. In fact, in a survey conducted among doctors who specialize in stomach disorders, 98% of the doctors responding said they've recommended products containing Digel's special anti-gas ingredient, simethicone. No antacid alone relieves like Digel does. Use only as directed. Digel, liquid or tablets for gasset indigestion, in regular mint flavor, and now, new lemon orange.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, uh, Hey, have you, uh, speaking of uh, great commercials, uh, you know, a lot of times we tend to think that the the commercial world is the ultimate fantasy world, and yet uh, I suspect that the commercial world is the only world where true reality comes to the surface. Uh, Have you noticed that nobody in in the commercial world has ever seen reading a book and nobody ever reads books in the commercials I and mean, never unless the book is a diet book uh, <laughs> or, you know how to take away those mysterious bulges that appear from time to time but uh <laughs> <laughs> you've seen those commercials oh wow <laughs> but uh, nevertheless uh, uh, we tend to think that the world of the commercial is not necessarily reality well tonight I would like to salute You give me the second cut there please would you like to salute a bit of reality in the commercial world please
0: board of Olympian television critics would like to salute the television reality spot of the week.
1: Once in 27,000 commercials, a brief gleam of reality emerges, and our Olympian critics are on hand to salute such a moment of reality. Tonight we salute the Colt 45 collapsing house commercial. A commercial that dares to tell the truth about today's
0: construction industry. A commercial that grapples fearlessly with the way things are in our time. You all know the commercial where a brave actor is sitting at a small cafe table in one of what appears to be a rather elegant hotel, six,
1: seven stories high. And he is sitting there waiting for his Colt 45 to be delivered. The door opens directly behind him and out steps Red Fox, bearing a tray. And looking sneaky, the way Red Fox always looks. And he lays the Colt 45 on this actor, a notoriously white honky. And he lays this Colt 45 on him. Uh, reset that, please, Al, please. This is important. Our Olympian critics cannot uh, sustain themselves unless they have Olympian critic music behind them.
0: The actor. He pours his coat 45 into his tall, beautiful glass, and the red fox slams the door behind him when all of a sudden the entire front of the hotel collapses around him. All four stories are left, bared to the winds,
1: and red fox, of course, does not even notice that the building has collapsed behind him, nor does the actor notice, because this is part and parcel of our time.
0: Who notices decay when decay is all? Who notices when today a building disappears right off the whole block that you've been walking past for a hundred years? It's gone one morning. Do you notice it? No. Six weeks later another giant building appears and you go in there and have two or three luncheon dates in it before you realize you never saw this building before. Entire towns disappear. Reappear in the guise of little Reynolds Ramp buildings. They disappear and motor homes move in. Only man remains.
1: Sort of. That was good. Did you like that? A moment of read. Gee, that's a hell of a bunch of critics. They're really good. That's that's a a, a new, new award there. I would like to predict that the most boring show that promises to be the year... The most boring show of the year promises to be the Alan King Salute to Comedy. <laughs> uh, you've heard about it. You yeah, haven't? I'm, I'm glad. You, 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 you've survived, huh? That should be one unbelievable drag. But uh, while we're on the subject of that, do you have another goody for us, Al, please?
5: Just across the causeway from Miami, there's an island so beautiful we call it the Caribbean Island in Florida. Its name... Key Biscayne, and on this island is a very special resort, the Sheridan Royal Biscayne Beach Hotel and Racquet Club. On a dazzling white beach, surrounded by crystal blue waters, Here, you'll find luxurious rooms, private terraces, and ocean views. Continental cuisine served in elegant restaurants, ten tennis courts, four lighted-for-night play, two swimming pools, and a superb 18-hole championship golf course, just a drive away. A vacation at the Royal Biscayne is a refreshing experience on a delightfully informal island, with all the excitement of Miami Beach nearby. Your travel agent can help you plan a Royal Biscayne Hotel vacation on Key Biscayne. Or call us toll free at 800-325-3535 for reservations and information. That's 800-325-3535. Yeah, I understand there's a fantastic house
1: for sale down there. Beautiful, yeah. It's got these electric fences around and everything. Everything you've always dreamed of. Has machine gun turrets at each corner, you know, and all that stuff. He even comes with a heliport there, and uh, you, know, you, you, you never know—you know—you might want a heliport. <laughs> Heliport—that's one of those little insects that you use for fishing for trout in the spring, isn't it? Little black legs, mean little things. Well, uh, nevertheless, I—I uh, uh, I like that uh, that critic uh, award because I've enjoyed those Colt 45 commercials. My favorite one is the one where he's sitting in the in the net. Of a of a hockey game, he just yeah you haven't seen that That's a great one. He's sitting right there, see, uh, and all of a sudden you see this fantastic crash and seventeen hundred uh, you know assorted the uh, uh, Philadelphia Flyers and uh, and uh, all the rest of them come roaring down there yelling and groaning and boom the the, the goalie slides in and uh, he just calmly sits there drinking away at his cold forty five. <laughs> Well, now I, I'd like to say this, though. If you think that that uh, commercial is not necessarily a true commercial, give me the number one in there, Alvin, please. I'm going to get ready for that. Just, just prepare it now. Uh, now we tend to think of England as a as a very solid country. Most of us, you know, it's, oh yes, it's a it's a many many times you you uh, hear uh, official English commentators uh, comparing America and England. Of course, always to England's advantage, and one thing England has—it's got age-old villages and and uh, Richard the Third and all that stuff. You know, it's it's got it all, man. I mean, armor—you just can't imagine Gary Cooper in armor riding a charger, and not really. Uh, so, so they've got all this stuff, see. And I would like to—I'd uh, like to give you a little news flash that we just received here from Stockport, England, to show you what the real England is like. Right. <laughs> That delivered my, uh... Mary Adams. It's an important newscaster warming up here. You know, I knew a newsman at one time who was now today a very famous newsman who had two separate and complete voices. There was his ordinary voice, which he used, and then there was his newscaster's voice. Totally different. And he was a completely obscene man. He had a grasp of obscenity that would have put Richard Nixon to, to, to shame. He really knew how to use the, you know, the, let's put it this way, the secondary language with in, immense skill. And uh, you could, couldn't talk to this guy 30 seconds without him giving laying the most obscene, bad-taste, rotten jokes on you. You know, there's, there's things called dirty jokes, right? Then there's things called blue jokes. Then there's rotten jokes. He was rotten, you know the kind. He gets his lascivious look on his. Ah, ah, that there joke. Oh God, please, delirious. And then, just like a magic thing would happen, he would go on camera, and he would become. See, this is this is where they mistake. You know this Ted Knight character, which is great. You know, but the, he remains as dumb on camera as he is off camera. Well, almost every newsman I know has interchangeable personalities, totally different one guy I knew fantastically intellectual on camera off camera well he would have trouble to know which end to pick up on a bowling ball <laughs> on the other hand I knew a guy that came on quite the opposite a hard bitten and tough in the meantime when he get off camera he'd immediately start restoring Elizabethan lace which is what he did as a hobby and uh he retouched uh, gothic paintings and uh, and uh, oh, it's a totally different thing. So, this one newscaster right I knew had a different, different voice. His real voice was kind of like uh, a cab driver telling a dirty joke voice. And uh, he would walk around, he'd say, He was from uh, actually from South Chicago. He'd say things to you like this Hey, you, know, you heard, the, heard the latest rotten joke? Ah, I'll tell you this rotten joke. It was this guy, he'd spit on the floor, all right. And here he is. He's wearing this two hundred and fifty dollar necktie and a nine thousand dollar suit. And he uh, just just his hair bill. I mean, he was an elegant TV newscaster. His hair bill would have kept the average home lighted and heated by electricity in uh, Bayside Queens for seven months. That's his hair bill for one week. Well, he was that kind of guy. But however, when he came on the air, he had this this curious gravelly pseudo-English delivery, which he still has. People love him. He comes on, he says, uh, Many Adams brought the house down yesterday when she went out and slammed her front door in Stockport, England. One side of the two-story house fell sideways into the River Mercy. Most of the rest of the building collapsed into rubble. The house at the end of a long row of buildings adjoins a bridge that carries heavy traffic over the River Mercy. Mrs. Adams, a stout English lady, said, Well, the door was a little stiff, so I gave it a good bang. I was certainly amazed. I have thought for some time that the building was not quite right. There was just, shall I say, something about it. And when I slammed the door and the whole building collapsed and fell into the river, I knew that I was right. Oh, Darrell. Can you imagine a building just going down? Crash. Oh, man. Now, I, I um... I, um... <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I, have, I have a fantastic house story. That, uh, yes, uh, that, uh, you know, I've noticed that so many people feel absolutely secure when they're in the house walking around. never would occur to them that they're walking around on some little boards and they're like uh, 200 feet off the ground. (laughs) You know, and these boards are held together by a few rusty nails and a couple of hinges, you know, bought at Woolworths uh, one Saturday night by a guy that was fudging a little bit on the expense account. And there you are walking around in this. I better not tell you this tonight. I will tell this to you tomorrow night. It's a scary story.
0: This is Hugh Dowd, and I'd like to tell you about a motion picture we just finished. It's a story about an America that some people think is gone, but it isn't gone at all. The film's all about a group of men who spent a summer barnstorming heartland America in old biplanes. It features Richard Bach, who wrote the classic bestseller Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And Nothing By Chance is a movie for the entire family. Don't miss Richard Bach's Nothing By Chance. I know you'll enjoy
1: it. Yeah, it starts Wednesday at the Fine Arts Theater in Manhattan. And you can fly a little old biplane there, honey. Okay, thank you, Al.
5: It's a grand union kind of all the things. Grand union. We've got more national brands.
1: Oh, yeah. most yeah. stores in the Old friends, the Grand Union Stock and Musical Company of masquerading and traveling players of singing over there by the frozen food store. Produce his fresh. Can't you see this guy dressed up like a minstrel, playing a banjo? It's Charles Nelson Riley, camping it up. <laughs>
3: Grand
1: Union.
0: <laughs> Grand Union, uh, yes, this week Grand Union has an all beef sale. They're so low every day. All USDA choice. Grand Union,
1: both Grand Union. Now it's my turn. Yes, friends, as I said, this week Grand Union has an all beef sale. All USDA choice. Choice beef, loin, sirloin, steak, or shoulder or bottom boneless roast. Each $1.29 a pound. And you just can't do no better now. Come high, yes, sir. Certain circles. Bring it up there, please. Now, don't forget, tomorrow night we're opening at the American Place Theater, 8 o'clock p.m., sharp, on the button. And here's that number again to call because you're gonna be bugging the operator here at the station, and she won't know anything. She doesn't even know she's working at a radio station. Call two she thinks we're in the office business here, you know, with the files. Call area code 212, that's New York, and the number is two four seven O three nine three, the American Place Theater, forty-six at Sixth Avenue, right in the heart of the fashionable porny belt. Well, there's fashionable and
0: unfashionable,
1: friends. Greasy and in their chic. Which are you? Oh.
0: Oh, sing it all together. Sing it out proudly. Walk with your head in the stars. Sky. March. I mean, if that damn Jonathan Luberson Seagull can do it, you can. He's just a bird. Bring it up there. Be brave.
1: This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.
4: Mobile Oil Corporation presents In Conversation. A series of discussions meant to enlighten and involve you, the listener. Tonight, our host is author-journalist... Nat Hentoff.
6: The most continually absorbing book on music I've read for some time is an oral history, Charles Ives Remembered, published by Yale University Press and composed, and that is the word, composed, by Vivian Perlis of Yale, who has thereby made an enduring contribution not only to music history, but to the social history uh, of at least the East in this country in the context which Charles Ives of Connecticut functioned so uniquely as insurance executive and musician, somewhat uh, like Wallace Stevens, who spent many years in insurance while writing his poetry in an inner world far removed from commerce. Did you feel, as you did the researching, that there was ever any conflict in Ives between the the world of commerce and... and what I think he took most seriously uh his writing
7: Ives himself said in the memos that there was not he didn't think that art should be separated from life no. and uh he felt that it added to his experience to to be able to go down to Wall Street and to be able to work with with people in uh business and uh, that that added to uh his ideas into his um, music and that uh He didn't feel that his music took anything away from the uh, insurance business. There's a lot of conjecture about that uh, from other people. The fact of the matter is, though, that he must have had an enormous energy to be able to build the kind of insurance agency, which became the most successful one in the country during the day time, and to go home and write at night and on the weekends and to produce during that time which was a short period of time about 15 years or so the quantity and quality of music that he did and the works that are considered among the masterworks of uh contemporary 20th century music
6: right he wrote something about that uh, con- whether there ought to be a conflict between a man going into business and, and music And um, not untypically, he remembered his father. Father felt that a man could keep his music interest stronger, cleaner, bigger, and freer if he didn't try to make a living out of it. Assuming a man lives by himself and is willing to live as simply as thorough, he might write music that no one would would play prettily, listen to, or buy. But, but if he has a nice wife and some nice children, how can he let the children...